The Velisca Axe Murders Chapter 1 The Night of the Murders The small town of Velisca, Iowa was eerily quiet on the night of June 10, 1912, with a stillness so profound that it seemed to permeate the very air itself. The streets, devoid of any activity, were cloaked in a thick blanket of darkness, with the moon casting long, ominous shadows across the deserted sidewalks. Inside the Moore family home, the silence was only broken by the soft breathing of the sleeping occupants, which was barely audible. In the spacious master bedroom, Josiah and Sarah Moore lay side by side, their bodies relaxed and peaceful, their faces gentle and serene. The furniture in the room was ornate and exquisite, with a large oak four-poster bed dominating the center of the room. Down the hall, in the children's room, the four Moore children, Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul, slept soundly in their beds, their dreams undisturbed, surrounded by their toys and belongings. But outside, in the pitch-black darkness, something was stirring, a shadowy figure moving silently through the yard, like a specter from the underworld. With slow, deliberate steps, the figure approached the Moore home, its movements graceful and otherworldly. In one hand, the figure carried an axe, its blade glinting malevolently in the pale moonlight, as if eager to taste human blood. The killer slipped inside the house through an unlocked door, moving with eerie grace through the silent rooms, like a phantom gliding through the shadows. The figure made its way to the master bedroom, where Josiah and Sarah lay sleeping, and raised the axe high above its head, the muscles in its arm tensing as it prepared to strike. With a single swift blow, the killer brought the axe down on Josiah's head, the impact echoing through the house like a thunderclap. Sarah stirred, waking at the sound of her husband's death. But before she could scream, the killer struck her too, with a cold, ruthless efficiency. The axe bit deep into her skull, silencing her forever, leaving her lying in a pool of her own blood, like a sacrificial lamb on an altar. Down the hall, the children awoke to the sound of their parents' screams, their innocent faces twisted with fear and confusion. They sat up in their beds, staring wide-eyed into the darkness, as the killer entered their room, its eyes blazing with a demonic fervor. One by one, the children were bludgeoned with the axe, their small bodies writhing in agony as they were struck again and again, their screams filling the air like a chorus of tortured souls. The sound of the attack was terrible. The wet thud of the axe striking flesh, the gurgling of blood in the victim's throats, the crack of bone as the killer struck again and again with a sickening brutality. But outside, no one heard a thing, as if the world itself had turned a blind eye to the unspeakable horror that was unfolding inside the Moore house. When the killer was finished, the house was quiet once again, the only sounds being the faint drip, drip, drip of blood and the killer's labored breathing. Josiah, Sarah, Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul lay dead, their bodies mangled and broken like discarded dolls. The killer left the house as silently as they had entered, disappearing into the night without a trace leaving behind a trail of destruction and terror that would haunt the town of Velisca for generations to come. The next morning, the town of Velisca woke to a gruesome discovery. 
The Moore family had been slaughtered in their sleep, their bodies discovered by a neighbor who had grown concerned when they failed to answer the door. The town was thrown into a state of shock and horror, and the hunt for the killer began. Chapter 2 The Investigation the brutal and gruesome murders of the Moore family and their guests sent shockwaves of horror and terror through the close-knit community of Villisca, Iowa. The vicious and violent crime scene, which lay inside the Moore home, left the small town reeling with fear and anxiety, and the urgent and relentless search for the heinous killer began in earnest. The diligent and determined police officers arrived at the scene of the crime early in the morning, summoned by a concerned and worried neighbor who had grown increasingly anxious when the Moore family failed to answer the door. The cautious and apprehensive officers entered the house, their hearts pounding with dread, and their eyes widening in horror and shock at the macabre and appalling sight that greeted them. The bloodied and battered bodies of Josiah and Sarah Moore lay lifeless and still side by side in the master bedroom, their skulls and faces brutally crushed and shattered by repeated blows from the vicious axe. Down the hall, in the children's room, the four more children and their two young guests, Ina and Lena Stillinger, lay dead in their beds, their innocent and tender bodies brutally beaten and hacked apart. The extensive and thorough investigation that ensued was one of the most intense and exhaustive in the history of Iowa. The diligent and meticulous police officers combed through every inch of the crime scene with painstaking care and precision, searching for any shred of evidence that might lead them to the savage and ruthless killer. They dusted for fingerprints, interviewed witnesses, and scrutinized every single detail of the crime scene, looking for any sign of forced entry, struggle, or resistance. The deeply invested and concerned townspeople were also deeply involved in the investigation, as rumors and theories ran rampant and unchecked, and the community was bitterly and deeply divided into factions, each with its own theory and motive. Some believed that the murders were the work of a transient and itinerant drifter passing through town, while others suspected that Josiah Moore had angered and provoked someone in the community and paid the ultimate price for his perceived sins. The dogged and persistent police officers worked tirelessly and ceaselessly, following every lead and questioning every person with even the slightest connection to the case. But despite their valiant and heroic efforts, the cunning and elusive killer remained at large and out of their grasp. As the weeks turned into months and then into years, the investigation began to lose its momentum and focus, and the town of Villisca was left with a deep and abiding sense of unease, distrust, and suspicion. Theories and speculations continued to swirl and circulate, and suspicions fell on various individuals, from a wealthy and influential businessman with a long-standing grudge against Josiah Moore, to a traveling and enigmatic minister who had been in town on the night of the brutal and shocking murders. But no concrete and irrefutable evidence ever surfaced, and the killer remained a shadowy and elusive figure, haunting the dreams and nightmares of the terrified and traumatized people of Villisca. As the years and decades passed, the investigation into the Villisca Axe murders gradually faded from the headlines, and the case receded into the dusty and forgotten annals of history. But for the traumatized and scarred people of Villisca, the memory of that fateful and gruesome night remained vivid and haunting. 
a somber and painful reminder of the fragility and preciousness of life and the shocking and unpredictable nature of human evil. Chapter 3. The Conclusion For years, the Moore family and their guests in Villisca, Iowa were brutally murdered, and the case remained unsolved. But in the early 20th century, a break in the case would finally come, one that would reveal the shocking truth behind one of the country's most infamous unsolved crimes. In 1917, Reverend Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly arrived in Kansas City, Missouri, seeking work as a minister. But Kelly was not what he appeared to be. He had a history of mental illness, and rumors swirled that he had been involved in a similar murder in Illinois years earlier. Yet, he was able to secure a job at the local church, and it seemed as though he had finally found a new start. But Kelly's dark past would soon catch up with him. In the summer of 1917, Frank Jones, a prominent businessman and former Iowa State Senator, received a strange letter in the mail. The letter was anonymous, but it contained a shocking accusation that Jones was responsible for the Villisca Axe murders. Jones was taken aback by the accusation, and he immediately contacted the authorities. The letter was traced back to Kelly, the troubled minister who had recently arrived in town. Kelly was brought in for questioning, and he quickly confessed to the murders. But his confession was full of holes and inconsistencies, and it soon became clear that he was lying. Despite this, Kelly maintained his innocence, claiming that he had been instructed by a mysterious stranger to commit the crime, and that he had carried out the orders without question. The investigation continued, and the authorities soon discovered that Kelly had purchased an axe from a local hardware store just days before the murders. The axe was never found, but the evidence against Kelly was mounting. At trial, Kelly's defense team argued that he was insane at the time of the murders and therefore not responsible for his actions. But the prosecution countered with evidence of Kelly's premeditation, including his purchase of the axe and his attempt to sell it immediately after the murders. The trial was a sensation, with the entire country riveted by the shocking details of the crime. In the end, Kelly was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. But the case would continue to haunt the people of Villisca for years to come, a reminder of the fragility of life and the darkness that lurks in the human heart. Today, the Moore House still stands in Villisca, a silent witness to one of the most chilling crimes in American history. The walls may have been scrubbed clean, the blood long since washed away, but the memory of that fateful night lives on, a testament to the enduring power of true crime and the human fascination with the darkness that lies within us all.